everyone. Welcome to the Worship Artistry Podcast. My name is Jason Houtsma, and with me, Mr. Daniel Ornelas. What's up, man? Hey, Jason. How's it going, man? It's going all right. How you doing? I'm pretty good, man. I've uh, been on a podcast kick that you got me onto, listening to a bunch of different <laughs> podcasts. Um, and uh, I, was quite, I was quite into it. And then I ran out of podcasts. So I started looking for like online, what are the best podcasts? And they put me onto like some crime podcasts, Crime Junkie, <laughs> which I'm not really like a that kind of guy that likes like those kind of TV shows, you know, that it's all about crime. Like true crime. But, uh, yeah, true crime and all that kind of stuff. But this one, uh, interestingly enough, had a had a whole segment on uh, on serial killers and they were saying some some guy had been up in Seattle. So then they said, well, I'm surprised it's not Bellingham. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean, Bellingham? That's where my sweet friend is from that teaches guitar lessons for worship artistry. So I had to ask you about it. So why don't you tell me about it? What's the vibe? <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, yeah, so, okay. I don't know how accurate all my information is, but I know that there has been, there's one particular bar in town. It's called The Waterfront. And it's like right across from the Mission, kind of in downtown. And uh, they call it The Murderer's Bar. Because like... Oh. The, uh, the DC Sniper frequented there. I think the Hillside Strangler did. I want to say Ted Bundy. And there's like one other one. There's like, for whatever reason, and I'm, you know, I mean, if you think about it, we're right across the border from Canada. So, you know, you they, have good, they have good wings. <laughs> they have good wings. <laughs> yeah, we have great wings, lots of breweries. Uh, no, but they weren't, they weren't, uh, yeah, those were not there when they all came through. So, um, yeah, man, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I've personally never seen a serial killer in town that I know of. So, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, my, my son eats so many Cheerios, we call him the serial killer, but that's a different thing. <laughs> <laughs> but also i want to say this i think that your mission statement should be that you're an evangelist to serial killers because you never know who you could be talking to on the streets or you could bring into your church you could be lead, leading them to the lord and saving millions of, of people from being slain oh uh, you know you, ne- you never know man there's a there's there's quite a Bellingham is kind of a unique place. Like when I first moved here, there was a, the whole first week, there was all these people camped out in this like pit in the middle of downtown because it was just this like abandoned, like it was like the foundation of an old building or something, like a totally like junky place. And they were like, they were going to put up a new building and there's all these people camping and like locking themselves to gates and like doing the thing where you put your hands in the tube so they can't pull you apart because they wanted to turn oh, yeah. it into Pitt Park. So there was always what? like people strung from like and with like mountain climbing ropes were like hanging off buildings, just like attached. And this is when I first moved here. And I'm just like, what is, what is this place? <laughs> it was quite the protest. So you're a missionary. That's right. You're a missionary. <laughs> I should have just given in the park. They, they didn't have the park, but we have so many parks. It's like, why that one? Why'd that have to be a park? <laughs> talked to one guy and he's like I, I remember i lived right around there and so you know i was talking to a guy one time i'm like man this is you guys like really care about this like what's what's got you here you know and he's just kind of like well you know i don't really have a job so figured i'd do this <laughs> that's what it is <laughs> <laughs> thanks for being honest i guess that's amazing. but uh but i'll tell you what our guest for today actually does have a job and, That's uh, good. That's and good. Uh, I was I was psyched to talk to him. It's uh, it's Matt McCoy from over at Loop Community. I've been trying to like have our guest list kind of vary a little bit and not just be like all musicians and actually be other people kind of working 
within the context of, of the worship community. And, um, and there's a lot of guys, I think, that, uh, that there's, we've talked before how there's kind of a worship industry. And, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's people that are kind of like, this guy is my people, and other ones that you're maybe, you don't necessarily feel that way with. And Matt McCoy is a guy who, it's funny, because he, he runs things with tracks, and we talk about it, we talk about kind of using technology in worship, and how that fits, and kind of some of the thought that goes behind it, and some of the things we have to think about, because, I mean, you and I have talked about it a million times, we are... We're not like big, like, hey, go out and get tracks and try and get a big sound kind of guys. We're like people. It's about people. Yeah. And um, and so yep. I'd had a, no- a number of conversations with Matt recently and was just, uh, you know, kind of really, really appreciated his heart and thought he really had something to say to it. So we had him on. Hey, Matt, welcome to the podcast. What's up, Jason? Thanks for having me. Well, I was, uh, I was really excited to talk to you because it's funny, our, our, one of our very, I think it was actually our very first podcast was kind of, what do you think about tracks? Like, do you need to use tracks in worship? And we kind of like hit all these different things. And that was a hundred something podcasts ago. And, uh, yep. and, and since that time, I've gotten to know uh, you over at Loop Community um, built some relationship there. We've run into each other in, in a number of different circles. And, uh, when I think about, when I think about people who have a heart for equipping worship leaders in a way that really serves worship and serves the music rather than just serving a company that's pushing out stuff, I think of you. And so, uh, I would really excited to have you on. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. So, so, so tell me, tell me a little bit about Loop Community just for, for people who, who don't know who you are. Yep. So we sell tracks for worship songs, and we sell tracks that are either made by other worship leaders. So a worship leader who makes their own tracks can upload them to the website, and every time they sell, they actually make money, which is a cool way for worship leaders to make some extra money. But we also sell tracks you know, from the record labels, and we sell tracks that we make. But we also develop hardware and software that's all focused around how do we make running tracks simple because tracks can get complicated and i've been using ableton live since gosh 2001 right around that time and it was just it's a lot more complicated and i thought you know we need to create software that makes running tracks really easy to use so everything we do at lupunity it's all around like how do we simplify using tracks so that worship leaders can focus on leading worship and not focusing on the technology. Right. Which is like that whole, the whole idea. So, so when you, when you, when you started thinking about this, like what was, what was kind of the problem that you were looking, that you were looking to solve? Well, the problem has changed over time, but originally when I started Loop Community, the problem I was trying to solve was it was, I was making my own tracks for songs. And I thought, there's got to be another, there's got to be a place where I could go and find tracks that other worship leaders have made. Because I was making tracks for like Mighty to Save, and I thought, this is such a popular song. Someone else in the world has probably already made one for this. And this was long before, I mean, this was back in like 2008, before you could even buy really tracks for songs. I mean, people were sharing them on forums, and I thought it'd be cool to just create a website where it's like one place where you can go and share tracks with each other. And the problem was, how do we do it legally? So we had to figure out how to license them. 
and you know we license you know we have to pay the music publishers and we do that on behalf of the people who upload their tracks so most music distribution websites make the person who created the music deal with the licensing and we decided earlier on that we would just take care of that for them well I, I am uh, I am unfortunately no stranger to uh, to remembering how difficult that was to get set up back in the day because I know when Worship Irishy first started you know that was something that was really important to us we were like you know we don't really know what kind of model is out there we want to make sure this is legal we don't want to just be putting out stuff and like stealing it that seems to be the opposite right. of the heart that we're doing um, and right. but it was at the time like around that I mean I think we did it in like 2011 I think was when we started and it was so hard to pay people for music. Like you'd be mm-hmm. like, Hey, I really, right. I really want to do this. How do, how do I, how do I pay you? How do you, we want to do this thing? And it was like, Whoa, there, Whoa, there yep. cowboy back it up. And it was just like, I just want to send you checks. Like, how do I send you checks? And it was mm-hmm. way more difficult than it should have been. Cause I know if somebody was like, Jason, how do I send you checks? I would be like, here's my address. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so, and I think just with the new tech, with new technology, you know, people are, it makes, makes people nervous about, you know, how's this content being used? And it's come a long way though in 10 years. I think the landscape looked really different back in 2011. Yeah. Yeah, it did. It's, it's, you know, crazy. people weren't even sure at that time, like how are tracks, you, how are worship, how are churches even using tracks and why are they using tracks? So, so why were, so why were you using tracks? I was using tracks because I was listening. I remember I first started when I had heard this David Crowder album that had tons of cool electronic elements in it where now it's kind of funny when you listen back to that stuff. Now it almost sounds kind of cheesy, but at the time it was like really cool. It was like, Oh man, they've got like all these beeps and synthesizers going on. And and I didn't have somebody in my band who could play that live. Like most people don't. And so it really had to be tracked. Like, no one really could play that stuff live, like these arpeggiators and really weird electronic sounds. So um, it really had to be uh, all be tracked. And so that's why I started using them. And it's just funny how tracks have changed like so much over time because, you know, 10 years ago, the tracks we were using were not real instruments. Like they weren't you know, they weren't full band arrangements. It wasn't like drums, bass, electric guitars, acoustics, and keys. These were like, these tracks were more supplemental. They were designed even to be just supplemental. They were not even recorded to sound like the original. It was more of like people recorded tracks then to actually just enhance and supplement what a real band would sound, what a real band would already be playing. Where nowadays, when people think of tracks, they're thinking of, okay, I'm going to buy the tracks for, you know, how great is our God. And it's going to sound exactly like the original. I'm going to get the drums, bass, guitar, acoustic guitar, electric guitar, keyboards, pianos. And that was not the case 10 years ago. So it's changed so much because 10 years ago, a track for how great is our God, all you would get was maybe like synthesizer, synth bass, you know, like uh, arpeggiator, a loop beat, which is just like a little, and it was only to supplement what people were doing. Mm-hmm. So the landscape of tracks have changed drastically in how people are using them. So how do you, okay. So, I, so I'd, I'm glad to have you on. Cause I'd love to ask you, like I have all these questions about tracks and like, I, I, 
I have always had these, um, sometimes I have this idea in my mind that like, okay, these like tracks are bad for worship. And so what I'd like to do is kind of like argue, not argue, but like throw out a question to you. Like, what do you say when somebody says this and kind of like hear your response? Because I know you as somebody, as, as a thoughtful person. And so I think it'd be worth, worth listening to. So like, what do you, what do you say if I, if I say to you, okay, yeah, it used to be these little things, but now you're basically replacing musicians. Yeah. Right. Oh man. Well, that is actually a major concern I have because, and I've even experienced this even just a couple of weeks ago, I was leading worship at a church. And you know, when I, I was leading with a full band, we had drums, bass, keyboards, piano, background vocals. And so I, we started playing with tracks. I turned the bass down. I turned the drums down. I turned most of the electrics down. Well, anyways, we get halfway through the song and the piano player like stops me and he's like, Hey, can you like mute the piano track? Cause it's playing exactly what I'm playing. <laughs> and the tricky situation that any worship leader has to deal with at that moment is they think, okay, well, I could get rid of the piano track, but the piano track is actually perfect. And this guy who's playing piano, you know, in this case, this guy was actually like not a real, I wouldn't say he was like an A player. Like he wasn't a really skilled piano player and he was actually not really playing the right parts. So it's like, okay, am I wanting to take this part, take this role away from this guy by using the track? Or do I mute the track and let this guy play maybe like a C type performance, you know? Mm -hmm. And I had to, I really had to decide about, okay, well, what's more important? Like it's the track or it's this guy. And I really think that like, we have to come back to this place that like people matter more than the tracks. And so what I ended up doing, but I was like, I was like, okay, well, how about we keep the track up just for rehearsal to help you like learn and match the part. And then once rehearsal's done and you feel like you've got it, we'll turn it off. So you almost use it as a rehearsal, mm -hmm. uh, training wheel basically. And then we turned it off and he did fine. You know, it wasn't perfect. The track would have been perfect, but it's the people that matter more than perfection, I think. Right. And I do think that like we've gotten into this, like, Everybody just wants to sound like the recording. Everybody wants to sound perfect. But the problem, though, is that then you kind of forget that, like, people aren't perfect. And also, worship isn't about, like, this performance that has to be perfect, like you're, like, on the Grammys or something, or like it's even a live recording. Like, this is more about the church body and, like, people being involved. And you're giving people a place to belong and a place to use their giftings and their talents and their hobby and their passion. And like, that should be enough, really. So what I would say to that question is like, we have to be mindful of like, are we using these tracks to replace people or not? And if we are, I think we need to rethink then <laughs> tracks in general, <laughs> or at least what tracks we're using. Right. And that's, and that's where I think it's gotten harder because again, the tracks you buy now are like full band tracks. Like you've got everything. And so you have to really decide to pull back and mute things that you've got on stage. So if you've got a drummer, don't use the drum track. If you have a bass, bass player, don't use the bass track. So when I, when I lead worship, I have like usually a full band, like everybody. I've got keys, guitars. So really the only tracks I use when I lead worship are the click and cues and then anything that is just extra. 
meaning a shaker, a tambourine, maybe an arpeggiator if it is included in there, or like a synth bass, because I may not have somebody playing that. But I turned down all the electric guitars, I turned down all the keys, and it means I'm using, like, you know, if, it, if I have a song that has like 20 stems, it means I'm really only using like probably four or five of those stems. Mm-hmm. So do you, um, that, that's awesome. And I think that there's the thing that, that excites me about tracks and, and this was kind of the turn that kind of happened in my brain was going, you know, like what, what am I about as a musician? And, you know, it's like we, we chose the name Worship Artistry because we didn't want to just, A, we didn't want to just turn people into tracks and just be like, here's what you have to play. Like, we want you to own that part. We want you to feel like you could have some creativity. And, and when you think about tracks as a worship leader from the perspective of this can actually expand my palette and expand my creativity and allow me to, to do more in a way that sounds fuller, in a way that inspires creativity, then like... 110 percent about it like if that's if that's what that's doing that's a win so how do you totally so how do you foster that oh man well i think that's a good question i mean i think sites like yours like definitely are a major resource and if you can encourage your team to like learn the part and sending them videos that help them learn it i think is probably a good motivator um but I think like you have to like give them resources to be able to learn the parts. And, you know, that's where I think signing up for worship artistry is a good thing. Um, I think you can also use tracks as a rehearsal tool. Like you can send people the tracks ahead of time and be like, here's the electric guitar part. And, you know, saying it in a nice way, you're basically saying like, (laughs) learn this or I'm going to be using the track, (laughs) you know, um, I don't know how you'd say that. And I mean, you said that you obviously wouldn't say that, but I mean, it's kind of like, you have to give the people the resources to learn it. Well, and it, and it sets a standard, right? It's kind of like, Hey, yeah, here's, a standard. here's what we're aiming for, you know? Right. And then let's, and then let's go from there. So, yeah. And then you have to be okay if it's like not perfect. Yeah. Like it's cause it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to sound exactly like a recording. And if it does great, but like, be okay with like just sounding like you. Like that's a big thing we say here at Loop Community. It's like just sound like you. Like stop worrying about whether you're sounding like just like the album recording. Well, that's like, what we have albums you. for. <laughs> yeah, right. And they and yeah, totally. And they sound great and they're awesome and they're sounding like them, which is great. But like God gave you a unique sound, God gave your church a unique sound. And like just be okay with that and enjoy it. You know, I think that like a lot of times there can be just so much pressure. I remember like when I was a younger worship leader, I would get so like, I don't know. I was just, I took it way too seriously. Sometimes I think like, man, I think we might take worship like way too seriously. And what I mean by that is like, I would be in rehearsal and if the drummer didn't play the part exactly like the recording, I'd probably give him like a death glare and like stop the rehearsal and like, be like, no, this is how we're going to do it. Like, you know, play it like this. And then I like play the recording in front of everybody to like (laughs) make sure they're all, did you listen to the part? You know? And it's like, (laughs) I I think just as I've gotten older and as I've, I mean, I've been leading worship now for like at least 20 years. I think it's just, I've gotten older. I'm like, I just care less and not in a bad way. Not like I'm like phoning it in or anything, but like I care less about like having to sound like the original and just, 
and just play the song, like just enjoy it and lead worship. And, and you know, like a drummer's going to bring like their own unique feel to it. Now, obviously there's like boundaries to that. Like if they're like doing something totally crazy, that's actually going to be a distraction or cause problems. And I think that, <laughs> you know, I still will step in in that regard. Like I appreciate your love for Carter Beaufort, but yeah. uh, maybe just lock it down <laughs> well, to a four on the floor. <laughs> totally. So like, yeah, I'll still get involved like and give suggestions on like, Hey, let's try this beat instead. Or, you know, if it's getting out of control, Hey, let's not put a fill every like four measures. But like, <laughs> you know, I just think that it's like learning how to like, just enjoy it more, you know? Yeah. And I don't know, I guess that's kind of, I would curious be curious what you think about that. Cause I know you're coming from a, you know, your whole site is about teaching people the exact parts, but I'm guessing that's also just to free them up so they can just like play, like learn the parts, play and enjoy it. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's the intention. You know, I think there's kind of this interesting balance and I, I'm, I'm very similar to you that I, I used to take it much more seriously. Um, and I was like, excellence, you know, we need to have excellence. And I, and I still believe that because I believe if you're going to, if you're, if you're trying to serve people, like do it to the best of your ability. If you're trying to serve God, yeah. you do it to the best of your ability and you do the best that you can with the time that you have. But I also think it's interesting because I used to have come from a place where like, like the expectations of a worship team are, are often like unsustainable in terms of, of what, like there was a period of time where it was like, you know, I, I think with uh, church had kind of a more attractional basis to it. And the, the idea was yeah. almost like, you don't need to go see a U2 concert, come to church. And it's like, yeah, but <laughs> we don't tour for nine months out of the year and practice every day and play the same 12 songs yeah, or right. whatever it is. It's like, uh, this guy's a construction worker. This guy's a banker. I'm just an unemployed musician. Like, how are we supposed to all come together and, and create this thing? And so, so much of my, my thought around worship artistry and, and even just approaching the idea of tracks is like, what makes it fun? Like, what helps you thrive as a musician? Because there's also this other side of it where if you're always playing, if, you, if you're always, if you don't have the time to put in and then you're always playing in a way that makes you feel like it doesn't sound good, like nothing sounds as good or not, very few things feel as good as just nailing a part. As yeah, just that's true. Locking it in and the, true. and the band comes together and you're reminded like, this is why I play music. This is why yeah. I lead worship instead of run the greeter table. Like this is why I do it. And so, so it's that balance, right? It's like, you're always kind of pursuing this thing. And at the same time, hopefully having a focus that it's like, my goal is not, that's not my goal. That's not the end game. It's something that gives me a ton of joy. But at the same time, like, I'm also just playing this part. I'm serving this role within this band, within this church community, or wherever I am. And it's like, how can I play that part to my to the best of my ability? And then you kind of let God do his thing. Because there's been plenty of, I mean, we all have the story of like, oh, I had the worst set of my life. And people are like, that was the most impactful. Like, God impacted me so much during that worship set. And you're like, yeah, thanks for the reminder. I don't even know why I bother. I, you know, like we, we all have that. Yeah, right. We all have that story. So, right, right. So let me, so let me ask you this. So, so with your, um, one of the other things I have about worship is a lot of times, you know, 
when I'm leading worship, I'm very much focused on the room, you know, because I'm not by myself. I'm, 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 I'm reacting to what, what's going on in my heart, but I'm also very much reacting to the room. And so I change what I'm doing based on people's response. Uh, I've, I've always thought that tracks would get in the way of that, that that would, some, it would either create some kind of wall or it'd be the kind of thing, you know, I'm just like, Hey, get on the train. And I don't care if you come along, mm-hmm. this is where we're going to end. Um, but I know that you've actually put effort into making that a lot more flexible and that sort of thing. So how, how do you approach giving a worship leader freedom, you know, kind of, yeah, you have this mm-hmm. cool sound, but how do you also still have freedom to respond with the people that you're, you're worshiping with? Yeah, that's a great, great question. So, <laughs> and this is kind of a, oh man, this is kind of a, kind of a loaded, loaded question, loaded answer. Um, <laughs> so the first, the first thought I have is just that, like, I feel like when you're leading someone, like you do have to have a plan. And I think of like, even like a tour guide who's giving a tour around a city, like there's a map, you know, of things that they're going to like take you to. And then they take breaks to talk and let you ask questions or whatever. Or like, you know, if you're taking a road trip across the United States, like you have a, you typically have a plan as far as like a route you're going to take. And then you, there's a lot of breaks in between. And I kind of see like when I use tracks, I see it as that, like I run a track because I'm like, okay, we're going to choose this song. We're going to do this song. And this is the journey I'm going to take people on. But for me, a lot of times I use in between tracks to do any sort of pit stops or leading as far as, you know, like almost like if it's a tour guide, you know, I'm taking people on this journey and then when the track is over and the song is over, maybe we might just do another chorus or another bridge or down or just tag that line a couple of times or have like some sort of worship focus moment where it's like, Hey, you know, read a scripture. And so think about this, let's just sing that one more time. And that's completely not on the track anymore. Mm-hmm. It's almost like pulling over on your road trip to a pit stop and then you get back on the journey again. So that's kind of how I see using tracks and why I'm not opposed to playing through a song straight through on track. Um, but for those people who like really want to like, you know, spontaneously take a pit stop, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. and go somewhere else, then we've really developed things in our app to let you do that. So you can actually, we have something called section jumping, where like if you're in the chorus, you could actually press the loop button and it'll actually just play the chorus again. And right after it's done singing the first, hmm. the current chorus. Or if you want to let, if you're in the chorus and you want to jump back to the, to the bridge, you can just click on the bridge. And when it gets to the end of the chorus, it's going to jump to the bridge in time. So you can be spontaneous with tracks if you want to be. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, it's totally an option for people. Um, but I'm not someone who's like totally against like just playing a song through right. from start to finish, but the options there, if you want, if you want to, if you want to be spontaneous, you can. Right. We also have a foot controller too, that lets you do that with your feet. So if you're a guitar player and you don't have your hands free, mm-hmm. we have a foot controller called the Luptimus, which you can just use your foot and press the chorus button and it'll jump back to the chorus. So you could be totally spontaneous with tracks. Because that's, that's really actually cool. one of the big arguments that people have about using tracks. They're like, well, I don't want to be stuck to like a karaoke track. You know, what if I want to flow? 
And so we have tools that let you do that. That's really cool. Yeah, there's a, um, yeah, it is interesting. I mean, even when you, like, I, so for, for my own church, you know, I teach all these songs on worship artistry and then, but for my own church, I often write my own just because it's like an outlet for, it's like an outlet for me to, to do that. And, um, and it's funny because a lot of times you think to yourself like, oh, I just do this different, like every time. And then you go and you sit down and you go, okay, I'm going to kind of map this out and this is how I'm going to do it this week. And you realize, no, I pretty much do this the same every time. I might make my guitar part a little different or I might, you know, go a little slower here or whatever. But like ultimately, like songs are put together and, and, different, th- and different songs like by different artists are really different too, right? Like you can have something like, like I'll get a Hillsong song that we're teaching and I'm like, man, in terms of teaching this thing, you know, we teach it from start to finish, just like the master. But then it's like, man, you know, you could probably kill about half these bridges, depending on, or, you know, half these repetitions. Because, like, I don't know if we need to repeat the bridge 16 times. Maybe we could just do uh-huh. eight or whatever, you know, like that sort of thing. And so having that flexibility, I think, is is really important. But for the most part, I think you're right. Like, we kind of get on this map and you go, no, that's like... We might think that we're doing it differently, but we actually are often very much yeah. doing it the same because that's what feels right. right and feels natural. Yeah. I used to think I was spontaneous, and then I realized I played the same song. I played the song the same way every time, but when I do change it, it's at the end of songs. Right. It's like the song ends, and then I'm like, hey, let's just do another chorus. So that doesn't stop people from using tracks because you could just then play through the track. When the track's over, do what you want, do your little moment of spontaneity, and then move on to the next one. So, so let me ask you a, let me ask you a personal question. So what, what, uh, do you have a particular song or anything that you're like, oh man, do the set of tracks for this song, just make it like we, like it, it takes me, it takes me from like a place of like, I got to do this thing to like, oh my gosh, what an amazing, what an amazing part, like a part that kicks in or something that happens. Like, do you have any, any favorites? Oh man. Uh, two come to mind. One is Lion and the Lamb has like the, um, arpeggiator stuff at the beginning or it's like a dulcimer arpeggiator Mm -hmm. and i love when that kicks in in that intro um and that's something i don't have a live player to do like i don't have a dulcimer player at our church (laughs) so that's really cool i love doing that one and then i was actually just thinking too about um do it again that's actually one where there there are guitars. There's a couple of guitars that are like do like different harmonics on that bridge. Right. It's like see you move, you move the mouth. And I always use those guitar tracks because I feel like it really on top of the guitar players I have. Like when you put all that together, it just sounds huge. Right. I totally so, see that. And that then was- there's like a low like bass kick like kick drum that like I feel like just goes boom and it just like lets that bridge just hit really hard. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I remember teaching that particular song, uh, because like, you know, you're listening to it going, okay, like usually I go through and I listen to it and I figure out, okay, this is the part we're going to work with on this one. We're going to combine these parts. I remember getting to that bridge and being like, the harmonies of those guitars are not what I thought they were. And so like the amount of like work that went into like, okay, let me combine these two guitars. And even then like, Totally works. Yeah. Sounds good. But I can totally see what you mean about how you could just hit this thing and it just take it somewhere else. It'd be pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So um let's 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 talk about you and I are gonna get together in Chicago in June. Yes, dude. I am oh, gosh. 
It's going to be awesome. I'm stoked. Tell, tell me about what we're doing. We were coming to my birthday party, right? Is that what we're talking about? <laughs> yes, we're going to. We're, I heard we're going to play cornhole. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, no, no, no. So we're talking about the Worship Innovators Conference. If anybody has not heard about this, if you are interested, check out worshipinnovators.com. And this is an idea that I had about a year ago of there's so many like cool resource, worship resource companies out there that are doing things like planning center and worship artistry and uh, praise charts. And, and I thought, how cool would it be if there was like a worship conference where we get all these people together and do like really practical training for worship leaders, like stuff that applies to anybody who's on stage on a weekend, whether you're a worship leader or like in the band, that is just very practical. Like how to lead an effective rehearsal, how to write a chord chart, how to make a good in-ear mix, how to, you know, do sound check where it doesn't frustrate everybody in the whole room. Like how, like really practical things. How do you use planning center effectively? How do you use tracks? You know, how do you, how do you teach parts to your band? You know, I know you're going to teach some classes on that. Um, really practical training. So we're going to get all these companies and all these like worship innovators in a room in Chicago, June eight and nine. And we're going to have the best worship conference in the world. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, well, I'm I'm so excited. I remember when you first when you first reached out to me about doing this because I you know I would I echo my friend my friend Ron always says uh, he always says I kiss day I kiss conferences goodbye because, yeah because it's always like you know I've been to enough worship conferences and a lot of times they feel um, I feel like I'm inundated with like a sales pitch all the time. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the big draws, like go see these worship artists, which are great times. Like they're not, there's nothing wrong with them. But right. Also right. a lot of times just feel like, man, this, I don't know, this just feels like this huge spectacle that I didn't, I don't really feel yeah. like I'm really connecting with anybody. And so right. when you pitch this idea of like, Hey, we're going to get this group of people together. We're all going to do like 20 minute style, like Ted talks kind of a thing. And then we're also going to be doing these workshops and then we're going to actually have like a significant amount of opportunity to, to like actually hang out and not just be like shepherded from one section to the next and actually get to know each other as people in the, working in the same industry, as well as getting to hang out with the people that use our stuff all the time. And, uh, yeah. I just, I got so amped for it and it's in Chicago, which I love going yeah, there. So that's going to be really cool. So, it's going to be different because like a lot of worship conferences, like all these companies like they're just like they just like buy booths and they set up in an exhibitor hall and you know we're not bringing in like big names it's not going to be like led by like you know these big names it's going to be led by worship leaders and like by these people who are running these companies and so it's going to be like really more very practical and very um just like community-based I think like it's going to be what I'm what I'm really gathering like it's going to be a really great way to like just build relationships with other worship leaders yeah and I'm also just personally pumped because I get to do it with all these other great companies like you guys so yeah I am yeah I am fired up I you know we keep telling people it's like it's just a different kind of conference because that's the only reason why we're doing it (laughs) yeah because I normally avoid them at all costs (laughs) Totally. Like we've had a lot of people ask us about if they can have a booth at the conference and I've turned them down and said no, because, you know, I could say yes. And that would actually make a lot of money because those exhibitor hall booths like bring in a lot of money. But I said no, because I'm like, you know what? That's just not what we're about. Like this is a different kind of conference. Like we're not doing 
what other worship conferences have been doing. Like there's just, there needs to be kind of a fresh, fresh take on it. So that's what we're going to try. And right. it's good, man. We've, we've got a lot of people signed up already and it's going to be a great time. Yeah. I mean, that, so, al- that alone has been amazing. I mean, you know, I, know. I, I think anytime you go, I'm going to start a conference. I think that there's kind of a, what if only 20 people show up? Yep. Hey, and, you don't know if people are going to even come. And we are well, we are w- well beyond that. Well beyond that. Well beyond that. I, that's why I never throw my own birthday party. I've never thrown a birthday party for myself because I've always been afraid that people wouldn't show up. <laughs> oh, man. And, yeah, dude. And that's how I feel about that. That's how I felt about this. I was like, man, this is a major risk. But um, it's actually been really cool to see how excited people are about it. And um, so people need to register. Go to worshipinnovators.com. And actually, I think we've got a promo code for them. That we do. If you go, do you if want you, to tell yeah, them the news? Yeah, if you go and you use promo code Worship Artistry, so early bird pricing ended February first, but we're going to extend it if you use this promo code. It's going to be fifty dollars off the 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 conference price, which drops it to one hundred and fifty. Right, yep, which is early bird pricing, basically. Right. So even so though you, you slept, pricing. even though you slept in, even though you didn't get the worm. We're going to be handing out worms, yep. so you can go and do it now. How yep. long? How long is that promo code going to be good for, Matt? I honestly don't know, but I think for a couple months. All right, <laughs> all right. We'll just we'll just I say mean, we forgot to turn it the off. Conference starts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, go ahead and jump out. Remember that's at worshipinnovators.com. I'm going to be there. Matt's going to be there, um, and a bunch of more awesome people. I can't wait to just hang out. Some of them I know. Yeah, man. And when I saw their names attached, I was like, yes. Yes, we want to do this. So very excited about it, Matt. Thanks so it's much for really for jumping on, man. It's, it's yeah, going to be great. Thank you, thank you for having me. Thanks for what you're doing, and uh, I'm looking forward to hanging out in June with you and hopefully all one million of your listeners. <laughs> Actually, it's uh, it's two That'd million. It's two million right oh. now. I think. Oh yeah, sorry. I need so. to get a bigger venue then. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Thanks so much. All right, man. Yeah, bye. Hey, Jason. So I hear you're going to the Worship Innovators Conference. Are we going together? Am I coming with? <laughs> uh, not, not this time around, Daniel. You haven't really earned your way out of your cage yet. So Dang it. we can't uh, quite do that. No, um, uh, right now it is, it is going to be just me um, because we're kind of coming from more of that like technology, kind of launching companies sort of thing. And you are an innovative person, and I, I can't wait. I'm, I'll, I'll be honest. This is kind of like our first conference we've been a part of in a very long time. So I wanted to kind of slow roll into it and then uh, we'll see Mm -hmm. how it goes. But I think it's going to be really cool. And I'm excited that we have the, uh, that, that promo code. So guys, if you want to join us June 8th and 9th at, uh, in in Chicago at the worship innovators conference, it's going to be a great time. You can sign up at worshipinnovators.com, And uh, if you use worship artistry as your promo code, you can get 50 bucks off, which will be super sweet. And then we all get to hang. And then, if that goes, put it this way, this is like the opening act. If this goes well, eventually Daniel will arrive and the person that you all really want to hang out with will be there <laughs> next year around. But you got to show you want to be there this year. So let's, uh, let's yeah, check yeah. it out. You're basically, you're opening for me, basically. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> a year in advance. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, I hope you have an awesome time, man. It sounds exciting. Yeah, it's going uh, it's, it's to be really cool. I know what time it is, by the way. Oh, wait a minute. What time is it? It's time to have member mail. Hit it, Jason. 
Well done, sir. You are on your game. Uh, today's member <laughs> mail comes to, to us from Marcus. He says, hi, Daniel and Jason. There's a new drummer who's interested in playing on our worship team. He seems like a great guy, but I scoped out his Facebook account, and he's pretty outspoken about a number of things that don't really line up with our church. I'm not sure whether I should add him to the team, if I should talk to him about it, and if I do, how I should approach it. Any thoughts you have would be appreciated. Yikes. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> well, Social you always media, make man. Me I know this so much about it for sure. As you can, I'm sure you can tell by all our worship artistry social media <laughs> accounts. <laughs> so, Daniel, what do you think? It's it's tough. It's so tough. Um, yeah, it's it's a crazy world. I mean, I've, I had some someone on Facebook recently was like, um, "I'm going to be doing a Facebook cull this week." So, and then he said that, and then after that, he just said some crazy statement, political statement that he was, you know, like whatever it was. And then and then he just said, and then he was amazed because, and then he was like, "Yeah, I see, I've already lost six or eight friends." Oh, awesome! This is blah blah blah. And I was like, "Why would you do that? It's just stupid." I, I think it's weird that people can't allow other people to have their own opinion, which is one thing. But the reality is, um, if you're in a place of leadership or if you're in a if you're in a place of kind of influence, I guess, then you can't really afford to alienate people that you, you know, you're trying to to lead. It's the same as it's the same as anything. It's the same as like deciding you're going to dress in whatever you want to dress in at, at church, uh, and and you don't care if it offends people if you're the worship leader. You kind of have to. You kind of have to be part of the culture of your community and your church if you want to be in any form of leadership. And I think, I think if it was me, I would say to the guy, "Hey, we can." You know, I think the idea of people realizing that playing drums or anything is actually is actually a place of of leadership or a place of uh, esteem or something to where people are looking at you and and looking looking to you for for leadership as as all of your worship leaders not just the guy singing and if you start there with that culture within your band then it'll be easy to say hey we're all worship leaders what do you think we can do better and maybe even bring it up as a group uh, with all your guys and say um so that you're not just isolating the one guy uh, and talking to him about that if he's a great drummer and he's got a great heart and he really wants to serve I think you can. I think you can win him through, and you can actually help him to, to, to realize the the kind of position he's got, and and maybe just tame it down. And if that fails, then just shut down his Facebook. Yeah, page. it's kind of it's kind of interesting because because he didn't actually tell us like what's on there. It's like I mean, what are we talking about here? I mean, are we going? Are we saying like, oh, he's like really political and he's really you know left winged or right winged or something like that? Or, I mean, or is he like racist? What are we talking oh, yeah, about? Yeah, that's a big difference. Um, yeah. So I think you know, I yeah. think that it's kind of um, man. Social media is really bizarre to me, and it's it's probably because like though I still often get mistaken for a child, I actually am like older, and social media has always has always been like kind of scary <laughs> for me. Um, just from the perspective that it's like, man, it's just you're putting it out there, and you don't know who you're putting it out to out out there too, and uh, and so I always just for my own personal roles kind of default on nothing because it's like, there's so many times I've like, every time I write anything, if ever, especially when I first was getting on Facebook or whatever, um, which my wife made me do. Uh, so I got on there and then, and then like every time I'd write something, I'd be like, ah, oh, this is funny. And then I would have a moment where I'd go, okay, how badly can this hurt me? And how, how much can it help me? And nine times out of 10, I was like, this is more likely to hurt me than to help me. 
So, so I delete and exactly. like move on. And exactly. So, um, you know, so I try and, I, you know, I try and think about social. So I'm, I'm kind of like a social media prude a little bit. Um, I don't know if that's a thing, but that's kind of what it is for me. So I don't, mm-hmm. so I might not be the best person to talk about. However, at the same time, I would also say that, um, like you said, these people that you're bringing on are in leadership. And honestly, like, I don't think it's weird if you, if you see, if, if like you're, a, you're going to hire somebody or you're going to like bring somebody on your team, whatever. I don't think it's out of line to like go and look at their Facebook profile and just kind of like, Oh, what, what is this person like when they're not here? And it might be an opportunity to at least go like, Hey, you know, some of these things that, you know, so, so, so this, this persona that you've built online, like, you know, how true is that? Tell me about your feelings about these things. And, you know, like, and just kind of see, um, it's just hard to know. Like the question is, is a little yeah. bit more vague. Like I said, there's some things that are kind of like, you know, does it say hail Satan? In this case, you might be like, okay, maybe, maybe you're not the guy. I mean, you're a great <laughs> drummer, but the Satan worship thing has got to go. Um, it's all, I think it's, yeah, it's all about severity, you know? Yeah. Radical. I mean, the funny thing is I'm exactly the same as you, Jason. I actually had the same thing this yesterday. So I yeah. was reading my neighborhood, like, you know, Next you get these neighborhood forums where everyone talks about whatever. And this, and this, yeah, so next door, and there was a girl, like there was this ring camera catch, capturing this girl on Valentine's Day. She's in like quite a, like a, like a, like a kind of a prom dress looking dress, and she ran up onto this porch and took this, this, um, this, what do you call those things? A wreath, like a wreath off the door, and then ran away with it. And like, and everyone started, like she said, this thief stole my thing. And then everyone's going, I can't believe it. Send it to the police. Have you reported it to the police? I'm like, it's it's a it's a wreath made out of pieces of wood. That that's not even like a expensive one. It's just wrapped wood. Okay. And I was like, okay. And then someone said, I hope she goes to jail. And then I was like, and then I wrote, and I was like, maybe they'll give her the death penalty. And then I was about to send it. And, and my wife was like, you can't say that. And I was like, it's oh, hilarious. Yeah. These people are being crazy. About a, about a wreath that was taken off the door. You know? It's yeah, amazing. No, and on that note, that's it. If you guys have a member mail question, you can always hit us up over at our Facebook page over at... Uh, hold on one second. Boys, be quiet. I'm trying to record a podcast. I wish that... I wish that would stay on the podcast. It's amazing. Oh, no. I'm, I'm totally going to keep it. I'm just going to keep it. Why not? Let's give them the whole, let's give them the whole spiel. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so anyway, so if you want to uh, hit, hit us up with some member mail, you can do that over at our Facebook page. You can also email us support at worshipartistry.com, or you can uh, also go to our Instagram at worshipartistry and write us there as well. Um, we would love it if you'd follow us and friend us at all those places. Cause we do interact there. We do hang out. Uh, it is the, like the one social media thing I do do. Like if you go to my, if you go to my own like personal one, it's like, has, it hasn't been posted on like five years, but if you go to worship artistry, that's us. So we're all, our whole team is kind of on there. So yes. uh, go check those things out. And, um, if you, if you want to check out worship artistry, we highly recommend you do. You can always check out a 21 day free trial and try over 500 lessons, all different song tutorials, green room posts, podcasts, all the, all the stuff, you know, all the stuff, go check it out. And if, if you do nothing else, give us a nice review on iTunes. It really helps us out and, uh, and helps get the, the podcast in front of other people. All right, Daniel, good it's been time. a good time, man. Good times, man. Good times. I look forward to seeing you next week. <laughs>